this place. We magnify you. We bless your name, Lord. Put our hands together. Let's sing. Blessed be your name in a land that is plentiful, where your streams of abundance flow. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name. When I'm found in the desert place, when I walk through the wilderness, blessed be your name. In every blessing, in every blessing you pour out, I'll turn back to praise. When the darkness closes in, Lord, still I will stay. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your name, blessed be the name of the Lord, blessed be your glorious name. Blessed be your name, when the sun's shining down on me, when the world's all as it should be, blessed be your name. Blessed be your name On the road marked with suffering Though there's pain in the offering Blessed be your name In every blessing, in every blessing You pour out our turn back to praise When the darkness closes in, Lord Still I will stay Blessed be the name of the Lord, we bless be your name, and blessed be the name of the Lord, blessed be your glory, oh, blessed be the name of the Lord, blessed be your name. Lord, blessed be your name. You give and take away. Oh, Lord, you give and take away. My heart will choose to say, Lord, blessed be your name. And blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your name. Lord, blessed be your name. You give and take away. Oh, Lord, you give and take away. My heart will choose to say, Lord, blessed be your name. And blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your name. Bless the Lord together, church. Hallelujah. We bless your name, Lord. We magnify you. We glorify you. We praise you, O oh Lord Jesus. Have you come to lift him up, to magnify him, to glorify the Lord, the King of all? Hallelujah. We bless you, Lord. 
we praise you, oh Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's praise him together. Let praise be a weapon that silences the enemy. And let praise be a weapon that conquers all anxiety. Let it rise. Let praise arise. We sing your name in the dark and it changes everything. Oh, we sing with all we are and we claim your victory. Let it rise. Oh, let praise arise in this place, church. Let praise be a weapon that conquers all anxiety. Let it rise. Let praise arise. We sing your name in the dark and it changes everything. Oh, we sing with all we are and we claim your victory. Yeah. 
praise church. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is what living looks like. This is what freedom feels like. This is what heaven sounds like. We praise you. We praise you. And this is what living looks like. This is what freedom feels like. This is what heaven sounds like. We praise you. We praise you. And this is what living looks like. This is what freedom feels like. This is what heaven sounds like. We praise you. Touching everyone as we lift up. 
Worship Him. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. Continue to worship. Praise the Lord. Isn't God good this morning, folks? So good to see you in the house of the Lord this morning. Hallelujah to the Lamb. That's what we're here for today is to lift up the name of Jesus. When I am lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. Uh, I was looking at some of the news this morning. I am troubled by what's going on in our world. That's what my thought was this morning. I saw people in the streets beating up one another. I don't know if any of you have seen such things. One guy that got into a fight and they were kicking him in the head. Poor guy bleeding out in the nose. They're still trying to beat him to death. Literally about beat him to death. And, uh, and I see things like that. And it kind of troubles me in my spirit. But then the Lord reminded me that he said, let not your hearts be troubled. For if you believe in God, then believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. But I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. I'm glad to report to you today that Jesus Christ has everything under control. And I am glad to report to you today that when it seems like it is the darkest hour, I'm telling you folks, 2020 has been the worst year, I believe, of my life. And it's not just me. It's not just me. I've heard many people that have said 2020 has been the worst year that we've ever had. Whether it's family, finances, just just hard times in general, just life. I've heard multiple people say it's been the worst year that we've ever experienced. So if it is true that the darkest hour is just before dawn, then I'm excited about what 2021 is about to bring on the church and on individuals, on families. Because if it's true, we've been through some of the darkest times that we've ever seen. But I believe that God's got something special for those that will trust in Him today. If you believe it, say amen. In 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 41, So the Philistine came and began drawing near to David. The man who bore the shield went before him. When the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him, for he was only a youth, ruddy and good-looking. I'm glad he added that part there, right? So the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? The Philistine cursed David by his gods, and the Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword and a spear with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand. I will strike you and take your head from you. I I love this. This is so powerful. A 17-year-old kid that is ruddy, but he's good looking. Let's not forget that. It's always important, right, that you're good looking. He's good looking, but he's a ruddy little fella. He, He doesn't have any training. And he's looking at a guy that 
According to history, it tells us he could be nine feet tall. Some even suggest that Goliath was upwards of ten feet. That means when you play on a regulation basketball goal, we've got one in the gym out there. That means the top of his head would come to where the rim of that basketball goal is. That's a big man. And little David looks at him and says, Today, he says, the Lord will deliver you to my hand. I'm going to strike you and I'm going to take your head from you. And this day, I'm going to give your carcass of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air, the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And then all this assembly will know that God does not save with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's. He will give it and give you into our hands. So it was when the Philistine arose, came and drew near to David, that David hastened and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. I love that. David didn't cower down. He didn't walk. He made haste. He ran to him. Then David put his hand in his bag, took out a stone. He slung it, struck the Philistine in his forehead, so that the stone sank into his forehead, and he fell on his face to the earth. So David prevailed that day over the Philistine with a sling and a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. Now, now, now I'm going to tell you something, folks. There have been many sermons that have been preached about little David. I could go through this scripture, nine verses I just read to you. I could go through every one of them, and I could pick out a sermon today. I could probably even just go free. No, no notes. I could probably just preach this story, so many of them that I see. I see here that the battle's not mine, it's the Lord. I see that there's a sling and, and five smooth stones, five representing the number of grace. I can see a lot of things in here, how that David goes to him without a sword, but he promises to cut off his head. And if you read the story on, he does end up doing that, but he doesn't do it with his sword. He does it with the devil's sword. He does it with the enemy's sword, took his own sword from him and cut off his head. There's so many scriptures here that I could preach sermons from. But most of the time, when we take sermons from this passage, who do we focus on? We focus on little David, right? Because David is the highlight of the story. When you look in your kids' books, we talk about little David. Oh, how brave he is, how courageous he is. And so we always go from the perspective of what does David see when he's in this battle. But today I want to talk about lessons that are learned from a rock fight. And I don't want to look at it from David's perspective. I want to look from Goliath's perspective and see what... Let's just get inside the head of Goliath if we could for just a few minutes. And how in the world that, that a little shepherd boy was able to defeat such a big giant. Because by all statistics and by all of the census that are being taken, it doesn't matter how you measure it up, little David is supposed to lose this battle. There is nothing on his side other than the Lord. I mean, they, uh, uh, Goliath's got a sword bigger than, than little David. David's only got a sling and five stones. Thank God that he didn't miss five times. And then I don't know what he would have done. But he, he hit him the first time. So we've got a young boy here that everything says he should have lost. And I want to show you some things in a spiritual battle. And we're, on, we're in a spiritual battle, folks. There's spiritual warfare going on. We see all these physical battles going on and people fighting. Let me tell you, there is more at stake in the United States of America than a simple fist fight. There is a spiritual battle that is going on not only in the church, but there is a spiritual battle that is going on in the United States of America. Furthermore, I would suggest all around the world that there are some dark evil forces that are fighting to win this thing, you see. And I'm not here today to praise the devil, and I'm not here to talk about how great he is. But I do need to tell you, you should never underestimate your enemy. You should never get so comfortable that you think, well, I'm a child of God. Everything's good. God's going to take care of me. I don't have to worry about him. You've got to understand that the devil is strong, ladies and gentlemen. And I'm telling you, if you don't believe that, you, you, you think about it. If you're not seeking God, if you're not living in the anointing of the Holy Ghost, you better be careful when you go to fight the devil. Just look at the seven sons of Sceva. What happened to them? They ran out and thought they could cast out devils. They said, in the name of this, this God that, 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 that Paul's been preaching about, come out. And they said, we know Paul, we know Jesus, we have no idea who you are. They stripped them naked, left them running out in the street buck naked. Anybody ever read that story in your Bible? That's what happens when you underestimate the enemy that you are fighting against. Come on, somebody. And so we can't underestimate him. I'm not praising him. I'm not trying to make him sound great. But I'm telling you that we are in a spiritual warfare. And if we are going to overcome a spiritual warfare, we must use spiritual weapons. 
Now I want to show you five things that Goliath did that we should never do. Number one, he judged the outcome, outcome by the size of his opponent. I said he judged the outcome of the fight by the size of his opponent. In verse 42, it says it this way. It says he disdained him. Now, I looked up the word disdain, and the word disdain means he was unworthy to notice. He didn't even think that it was worth giving him the time of day. He was unworthy of his attention. That's why he refers to him. He says, have y'all sent out a dog to fight me? I mean, this is a joke. This is mockery. And that day he made mockery not only of God, but he made mockery of his little opponent, little ruddy David. Goliath was literally insulted. I guess I would have been too. That a boy was sent out instead of a mighty warrior with experience. I mean, you would think that they would send out the best that they had, but instead they send out little ruddy David. So Goliath laughed at him. He mocks at him while mentally he had already determined how the match was going to go. He had already seen it. He had a vision. And he said, I'm going to grab this little boy. I'm going to snap his neck like a little butter bean. I, I'm, I'm going to kill this boy. There's no need to even... I mean, you don't even have to ring the bell. Before the bell rings, little David is going to be out. He counted him out. And he thought in his mind, I'm going to feed this little ruddy boy to the birds. But what a big mistake. You see, I want to remind you of a scripture that said, Do not gloat over me, my enemies. That means do not laugh at me. Do not mock at me. Do not make fun of me, for when I seem weak, then am I strong. Hallelujah. How am I strong? It is not through my own power. It is not through my own anointing. It is not through my own ability. But I am made strong through the power of Jesus Christ. Because when I am weak, the Holy Spirit comes along beside me and says, I'm going to give you the strength to fight on, even when you don't feel like you can fight anymore. And that is why little David looks at Goliath and says, you've come to me in sword and spirit but I'm going to come to you with the power of the Holy Spirit and in the name of the Lord you cannot judge the outcome by the size of the opponent that you're facing some of the mightiest things are wrapped in tiny little packages I read something a while back about you know we hear about the atomic bomb and I was reading that simply a tiny atom a tiny atom and it's tiny has the ability of destroying millions of people when it's placed in the wrong hands. They could drop it in a crowd. In the middle of New York, you take an atomic bomb and you drop it. Just one tiny atom now. Not a whole bomb. Just one tiny atom. And that thing can explode. Could literally wipe it off the mouth. It is just a tiny package. But how deadly it is. They tell us that a small rattlesnake is more deadly than the big rattlesnake. Do you know why? Because when they tested and they allowed them to bite, they noticed that the big snake only let out a small amount of venom. But when they put the little boy in there and they allowed him to strike, he dumped all of the venom that he had out of his, out of his um, fangs. Dumped all of it. And so they made this, this, this finding that if the little snake bites you, he's going to unleash everything he's got where the smart older snake's going to save some for later. He's going to just use a little bit. And that's why they said that even the small snake would be more deadly a tiny package just a little fella but it can be more deadly than the large one you remember the Midianites you remember that when when Gideon went to overthrow them there's thousands of them you remember Gideon had this big huge army of thousands of men and God got him down to 300 men and with 300 men a tiny army they won the battle that night. All odds say you, you can't beat them because of the size of the opponent. But they won anyhow. It's Elijah and his servant that are standing there. And the, the Syrians are, 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 are there and they're camping around and they're going to kill not only Elijah and his servant but everyone in there. Boys, girls, everybody's going to die. To which the servant is freaking out. Saying, my Lord, my master, what are we going to do? We're, we're outnumbered. There's no way we can win this battle. Look around at all of the enemy that is going to assail on us. There is no way that we can beat this enemy. The outcome does not look good for us because of the size of the opponent. To which Elijah prayed, Lord, would you just open up the servant's eyes and let him see what I see in the spirit world. And when he looks, he sees chariots of fire that are lined all around them. And he looks at the young man and says, quit freaking out. And I'm paraphrasing there. Quit freaking out. But they that be with us are more than be with them. Oh, somebody ought to hear what I'm telling you today. It's a tiny, tiny package, but how powerful when God gets in it. 
you know, there's some people that think they can deal with those little things. Those little things. You've got to be careful. There was an English boxer by the name of Usman Ahmed. He's feeling good. You ought to watch the YouTube video sometime if you want a good laugh. Maybe he was feeling a little too good, in fact. With an utterly astounding sense of confidence and overly relaxed, his nickname was Uzzy. Uzzy grinds and jives his way to the ring, employing along the way some of the absolute best dance moves that this world has ever seen. By the time he gets there, you'd expect Ahmed to be worn out, but not old Uzzy. When his opponent, Ashley Sexton, arrives, Uzzy uses his excess energy to promptly gyrate his way right in the Sexton's face. Everyone thought that Ahmed would win. Thought Uzzy had this one in the bag. Even Uzzy thought by the way he was dancing. But in hindsight, Ahmed may have danced a little too much too soon. Naive and ill-prepared, a cocky Uzzy shockingly fails to make it out of the first round because Sexton gruesomely ends the fight with a punch that is as violent as it's decision he knocked him out within the first round he jives he gyrates he thinks as he dances all the way because of the size of his opponent because what the statistics said see I need you to understand ladies and gentlemen this is exactly what Goliath did and it cost him everything literally cost him his life you know, there's some small temptations too. It's a wink of an eye. It, it is the simple things, the little things. It's the touch of an arm. It's a friendly embrace. It, it, is, it is that money that's, that's pocketed. You know, you don't think church people do that, but I've had church people steal from church. Anybody ever, yeah, anybody ever heard of that, seen that? Yeah. They think, well, I'll just pocket a little bit of this money. Nobody's ever going to see it. I mean, that's why we have to guard the offering plate sometimes. People are crazy, folks. I just figured out the other week, and, and I, I got to get somebody to check it. Dale, I'm glad you're here today. Our van, somebody goes to crank it the other day. They call me, said, Preacher, something's going on. What's going on? What a thing ain't cranking. We thought it was the battery. Couldn't find out. Somebody cut out the Cadillac converter. So I start looking up the Cadillac converter, and I'm not a bright man, but I think the Cadillac converter costs more than the whole van's worth. People crazy. You start stealing from church. I mean, who even thinks that, right? It's those little things we have to be careful. It's that lie that you may tell that will temporarily get you out of a jam. You know you've done it when they look at you and you know you're caught red-handed. And you say, oh God, I better tell a little lie, just a little one, get me out of this thing. I'll repent and ask God to forgive me. It's those little things. It's the little things that carry more poison like the little snake than any other thing does. You see, Song of Solomon 2.15, remember, it is the little foxes that spoil the vines. Be careful. Not to judge the outcome by the size of the opponent. Number two, Goliath did not respect his opponent's weapon. When David comes to fight him, he sees a sling in his hand. That's a leather strap, ladies and gentlemen. Back in those days, they didn't have the pullback. They literally would whip that baby around, all right? Be like a goat skin, cow skin, some kind of skin. They just dry that thing out, spin it around. I mean, you had to be a marksman to use one of those. I'd hit myself right in the head. I know I would. I just already know. Bam. I mean, you had to be good. But what he don't understand is little David's been on the backside of a desert lot. He's been in these pastures with these sheep. And he's sitting there practicing all the time with that little sling. He knows how to use that little sling. See, see, in the eyes of Goliath, this sling and stone is simply an insult. It was like bringing a knife to a gunfight. If you can get close enough to them, maybe your knife will save you. But brother, from a distance, a knife ain't going to do you no good. And somebody said, well, I'll just throw it and jab him from about 10 feet away. Seriously. All right. There ain't no ninjas in here today. You don't bring a knife to a gunfight. That is the equivalent of what little David has done. He has brought a sling to a huge sword fight. It is an insult. Little does he know that little David is a master at using that little sling and throwing rocks from a leather strap. He has mastered it. See, the sling to the enemy looks primitive. It looks old-fashioned. It even seems harmless. How is he going to hurt me with this? So, Goliath had no respect, not only for little David, he had no respect for the opponent's weapon that he was going to use, you see. And it was his downfall, ultimately his death and defeat. It's in Ephesians chapter 6 and 11. God said, you put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Can I tell somebody today that you need everything within your arsenal and your disposal to overcome 
overcome this enemy, the devil. We think as Christians we can be lazadaical. We can do whatever we want. Don't have to pray. Don't have to read. Don't have to seek God. Don't have to come to church. We don't need any of that stuff. And we can take on the devil. Really? Because you can't. If you are going to take on the devil, you better be ready. You better be prayed up. Because the weapons that Satan is going to bring against you, you better not underestimate them. You better respect them. Because they'll bite you every time. It's when we lose respect for the things that Satan is going to bring against us. But see, Satan doesn't always bring his, his big, big guns. He doesn't always bring the weapons we expect him. According to Peter, he calls it those little darts. Little fiery darts. How many of you just, just want to take a praise break and thank God for gnats today? Anybody? I mean, do you want to thank God for gnats? I'm, oh, thank you, Jesus. There ain't a person in this building that likes a gnat. If you do, you're a very weird, let me change that, unique individual. That's nicer. You swat them, you slap them, you, you look crazy clapping around. Your neighbor wonders what's going on. You're trying to kill a tiny little, can't hardly see it, microscopic little gnat that's, that's flying around. You know, sometimes they're just aggravating. They're irritating. I mean, you're sweating, you're working. You take a break to drink some water and there's about 35 of them in your water and you're drinking them. Good protein, right? They're just aggravating. And sometimes that's the way the devil attacks us. It's not the big guns. It's not the big one that we've been waiting on. It is those little aggravating darts that he's constantly just throwing at us, just nagging and agitating us. Listen, I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, you have to be careful. We can't afford to leave our armor behind. That is why I said, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. You see, you got to be tough when you fight the devil. You gotta be tough. You gotta be resilient. You gotta be perseverant, like we talked about last week. You gotta have this ump in you to keep on going even when you feel like giving up. And so here goes little David. He's about to fight him, and you know the story. Saul calls him over and says, I want you to suit up. What you mean, suit up? Well, if you're fighting against this giant, you gotta have the proper equipment on. We gotta get the armor on you. And so he puts on the helmet, he puts on the back, he puts on the breastplate, he puts on all these things. Little David's walking around, it's just a jingling because he's too small to fill it. And he says, I haven't proved these things. I don't want to wear these things. And he takes off the armor. But see what David understood that Saul did not understand. It's not only was he fighting a physical war. But more importantly, he was fighting a spiritual war. And what David understood, he did not need Saul's armor to win this battle. David had already been down on his knees. David was already walking in the anointing. David had already had the oil poured over his head. That said, one of these days you're going to be the king over Israel. God's got His hand on you. Favor is on your life. Everything you touch is going to be blessed. Everything you say is going to be blessed. And that's why David said, you can take your armor. I've already put on the armor of God. It is not physical. You cannot see it. But my God, I've been in touch with heaven. Let all of hell assail, assail me. I'm going to take this giant down today. I'm going to walk away in victory in Jesus' name. And that's exactly what He did. What a powerful thought today. Thirdly, as I hurry along, he was overconfident. Goliath is overconfident. Can I tell you a scripture that says, Take heed lest you fall. Can I tell you a scripture that said, A Holy Spirit goes before a fall. Pride, you know, goes before destruction. A Holy Spirit before a fall. Pride will get you every time. Cockiness, overconfident. That you're going to do a good job. So Goliath gets overconfident. And he says the word as I've already mentioned. Am I a dog? See, see what's interesting is this. It never once entered into his mind that he might lose. When Goliath's getting ready to fight David. Never once did he think to himself. There is a possibility today. That I may not leave out of here alive. He thought 100, he's like Uzzy in our story. He's gyrating, he's jiving, he's so excited, he's grinning. Oh, what do you think you are? You're a little dog coming out here to fight me, you little ruddy. At least you are a nice looking young man, but today you're going to die anyhow. I mean, he's overconfident. And when the odds are stacked, see, there's something in me. I was watching something the other day, and there was this guy that he said, why are you pulling for me? And he says, I have a thing for the, for the underdog. 
Anybody got a thing for the underdog? You know, when people are saying, they're not going to do it. They're not going to do it. There's something in me that says, hmm, yeah, maybe they can do it. Maybe they can. That's why sometimes when I turn on college football and it's not the Tigers, oftentimes I pull for the team that's been losing all season. I want the underdog to win. There's just something in me. And that's the way it is many times. You look at these fights, just like Uzzy. Everybody told him, said, Uzzy, you got it in the bag. You're going to win this one. There's nothing to worry about. That's why he was so happy. But it was his overconfidence that got him killed that day, or, or, or destroyed that day. I say killed, but destroyed. Got a KO is what he got that day. It is all because of overconfidence. We have to be careful, ladies and gentlemen. Whenever we go out to fight the adversary, we cannot be overconfident. It is possible to become too confident in your strengths and at the same time you neglect your weaknesses. See, understand with me, there's a man by the name of Abraham in the Bible. He is known as a man of faith. He is known as a man that has, has this great, great... I mean, he, he believes God. God tells him, pack your bags, go. And he does what none of us would have done. He gets his wife, his children, his cattle. He says, we're going to a land. Where are we going? I don't even know where I'm going. That is why God said he is a man of faith. But Abraham lost his faith. When he went down to Egypt, you recall the story. He's going and Sarah is beside him. They're walking in. The king looks at them. And if he had told that Sarah was his wife, he was afraid that they would take Sarah from him. And they would kill him. So what does he do? He's going to tell a little lie. So the man of faith that at one point is saying, God can do anything. I'm going to trust the Lord. I'm going to believe. All of a sudden he tells him, this is not my wife. This is my sister. Come on somebody. You have to realize that even though you may have a lot of strengths in your life, you have to realize that you also have weaknesses and you cannot get overconfident in your strengths that you possess because Satan is not going to attack your strengths. Where the enemy is going to attack you is your vulnerable places. So when I get overconfident in my strengths, I feel and I neglect my weaknesses. That's exactly what happened to Goliath. He didn't think he could lose. But oh boy, what was coming to him that day. Number four. One thing that Goliath did, he left a place of vulnerability uncovered for little David. And out, out, out of, now who would have thought? Out of all the body. I mean, he's got, you, you've seen pictures. And according to the Bible, it tells us what he has on. He is fully suited in armor. This big, huge, monstrous guy. But he left. His head open. I mean, you'd have thought he'd have covered that, right? I mean, that's vulnerable. I mean, if you're going to strike somebody, I mean, that's the brain, buddy. I mean, you, you don't want nobody hitting you in the head, you know, in the brain. I mean, that's a, my Lord. If you're going to cover something, wear a face mask. I mean, I've even seen these Spartans and all these people fighting on these shows. And they wear these things that come down to the middle of their nose. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And it barely is over their eyebrows. It's a full face mask. And I think, that's a smart guy. Well, Goliath is so confident, <laughs> he just leaves the most vulnerable place uncovered. And when little David is running towards him, guess what he saw? All he saw was that forehead. Can I tell somebody that Satan doesn't play fair? He will find the uncovered place and he will play on it until he brings you down. Listen, I want somebody to understand with me. The place of vulnerability in your life may be different than mine. It may be your finances. It may be your flesh. It may be your evil desires. It may be the pride of life. It, but you cannot take any chances when, when you're fighting against this enemy. Please. Please hear me today. You cannot leave a spot that is vulnerable uncovered. So what do I do, Pastor? You cover everything with the blood of Jesus. You say, God, cover my mind. The thoughts that I'm going to have, cover it in the blood of Jesus Christ and in the name of Jesus. Take my heart, Lord. The, the intentions of my life, take my heart, the life source, and allow it to be covered with the blood of Jesus. Would you take my hands, Lord? The things that I touch, the things that I do my deeds take it and cover it in the blood of Jesus Lord would you take my tongue that, that my mouth that I would not say things I should not say cover it in the blood of Jesus take my feet Lord the places I walk and the things I do God take them and cover them in the blood of Jesus because if you don't cover it all there's a vulnerable place and I promise you that the devil is going to come and that's exactly where he's going to hit you at we learned this from Goliath you have to be careful that's why I said from the top. We used to pray when I was a boy. 
I guess I heard them old saints of God pray like that. They'd say, God, from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. Back then, I thought it was just a little cliche. Now I understand what they were really praying. They wanted every part covered by Jesus. They needed God's help. They needed God's strength. They need the blood of Jesus. They need the name of Jesus. And they cover themselves in it. If you leave a vulnerable place in your house, that is exactly where Satan is going to attack. Don't leave it uncovered. And lastly, and I'll close with this. Goliath risked his life on a lost cause. Goliath, from the beginning of the match, he didn't realize it, but he was on the losing side. It was a lost cause. Because the Philistines were enemies of God. You could have sent me out there. And I could have won that day. You could have sent Brian Hartzell out there. In his prime. We won't even say how old he is. In his prime. And Brian Hartzell could have won that day. Because they were enemies of God. What Goliath had done is not just curse little David, curse Jimmy, curse Brian. What he had done, he had cursed God. The moment that Goliath did that, he was fighting a losing battle and a lost cause. And the thing that David knew that Goliath didn't know is he said, I know he's done it. And I know that if he's fighting against God, who's going to win that match? I'm just going to be the hand that, you know, God's, he's, he's, he's the one. I'm just going to be this glove. He's the hand. I'm just going to be the glove. Let him slip it in there. I'm going to allow him to use me to get the work done. But I know at the end of the day, that's why when David looks at him, he says, I'm not coming to you with sword and spear. I'm coming to you in the name of the Lord God whom you have cursed, who you have defied. What I'm telling somebody today is he was on the losing side. And I want to tell somebody today... God will always win. I don't care what scenarios are stacked against Him. Light will always overcome darkness. That's why when I look at this world, that is why God told me, as I told you at the beginning of my sermon, that's why God said, let not your heart be troubled. Because if you believe in God, if you believe that there's a God in heaven that is all-knowing, that is all-powerful, that has everything in His hand and He's got a plan, if you trust that, you're on the winning side. Everyone that's on the other side becomes the enemy of God. For if a man is a friend of the world, he is an enemy of God. He says they're fighting for a lost cause, but for those that have made Jesus Christ their Lord, for those that have trusted in Him, we're going home one of these days. We're going to be riding with Him on the white horse because victory is the Lord's. My God. Somebody can do better. Give God a hand clap of praise. Man, He's worthy. Alright, I'm going to leave you with this. So the devil can fight us, but he's fighting a lost cause. Because with Jesus on our side, the devil will never be able to win. So regardless of what battles you fight, you can go ahead and play. Regardless of what battles you fight, regardless through that song we did last. The, the, listen, the battles you fight today, I want to tell you today, victory is yours. If you're fighting in the name of God... You will win. It's simple math. So you ready? I'm going to give you five things. I want you to grab it before we go. Number one, we can't do this. It's what Goliath did. He judged the outcome by the size of the opponent. Sometimes we don't respect our enemy. He's a big force to be reckoned with. We need to recognize that. Number two, he didn't respect his opponent's weapon. We think sometimes when Satan's throwing those little darts, oh, that ain't going to hurt us. We'll just knock them off. But sometimes they hit. Number three, Goliath is overconfident. Don't ever think you're so spiritual that the devil can't defeat you. Don't think you're so spiritual. Come on, somebody. If, listen, as long as you're fighting for God and with God, you win. The moment that you walk away from God and God's over here and you're over here and the devil attacks you, if God's not your, your source and your shield, you're going to lose that battle, honey. I'm just telling you. Can't, you can't go a week without talking to Jesus and expect to win a battle against the devil. You're going to lose. Oh God, I got to go. So we get, and the reason we do that 
Listen, the reason we do that, we've been saved for so long, the reason we get in this mode that we can separate from God and still be victorious is because of overconfidence. That's all it is, it's pride. It's our heart, it is our pride, thinking we can make it without Jesus. Number four, he left the place of vulnerability uncovered, and it was the most important place, the mind. God, cover my mind. Because the thoughts I have sometimes, Jennifer and I were watching a show the other day, and they were going into people's minds, you know, and, and getting down in there. I think she made a little smart comment. I can't imagine what's in your mind. I mean, gosh. You know, I really can't either, man. It's got to be crazy up in here. But if we could really get down in that mind. That's where Satan wants to get, Brad. If he can get in my mind. If he can get in my mind, he can make me doubt. If he can get in my mind, he can make me think, well, if God was this, God would do that. If if he can ever make me question. That's why if there's anything that needs to be covered, it better be this mind. The way you think. I'm telling you, Satan loves it. Covered up, covered in the blood of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Last, he risked his life fighting for a lost cause. Can you trust God today? Can you believe God? God's got you back. Grab, grab.